0: Hairs on my body started standing on end.
1: Silence. Nothing there.
0: I fought to get back into my body.
1: You are going to be of vital importance of helping us convince the masses. 471. Type 471. Bridge to the other world. Bridge to the other world.
0: Welcome to Type 471. I'm Sam Kitchen. Melissa Bryan is known as the Outlaw Psychic. She has consulted on many unsolved cases, including missing persons. Melissa has appeared on CNN, The Taos News, KTNV Channel 13 in Las Vegas, and many other media outlets. Her book is called Born into Shamanism. Melissa has had a lifetime of intimate interaction with the spirit world. More than once, the spirit world has come to her rescue. Hey, Melissa, how you doing?
1: Hey, good, good to hear your voice, yay.
0: Well, Melissa, thank you for speaking with me today. It's a pleasure to have you. I've been speaking with you at length for a long time, and uh, this is is the first time we've, we've had an interview, so I'm excited.
1: Yay! Finally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One thing you've spoken to me a lot about is the is being the reincarnation of the wife of Billy the Kid, and and yeah. I'd like for you to tell us exactly how you first came to the awareness of this, and like when and how and everything that led to
1: that. Well, what led to it was a nightmare that kept occurring over and over again for, I think some length of time. And I finally had enough. I said, okay, what is this all about? What do you want from me? And, um, that's when I was kind of shown things, you know, from that era. And I finally ended up talking my folks into, you know, taking me out to the Southwest and letting me kind of figure this whole thing out. It was sort of confusing at first because I didn't really realize what it meant. But when I figured it out, it just kind of, I think it all just kind of fell into place and it didn't scare me. I was actually more comforted than I was scared. And um, I went to several locations, one of them being, uh, I believe it was the Gila National Monument, I believe. I'm not entirely certain. Don't quote me on that. And um, there was a young girl there, young Native girl that I met there. And she was from a long, long time ago. I want to say maybe 1500, 1600 at least. And she was like, I believe whole Navajo, or something in that realm of Native American culture. And I allowed her to step into my body briefly. And what was so interesting, I came away with this knowledge of, you know, not only just another time, but other people that coincided with a lot of the things I was beginning to open up and to and learn from. And it was so cool getting to see things from her perspective, you know? Because then it gave me kind of more of an understanding of who I was. Um, who, just
0: so, just so I'm clear, this happened during a physical visit to that yes. location, correct?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. okay good. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I went over to like uh, Tombstone, Arizona, and I met with my Earth and Holiday cousins. Um, yeah, go figure. Am I right? And uh, right. Now, they're some of my protectors and some of my closest people. I really adore them. Thank you, guys. I love you. And uh, basically, I've been to Fort Sumner, and all the spirits there seem to recognize me. And the last one I went, they were very upset because their resting places had been, I guess if you could say it, tampered with. All of their headstones are currently missing. Oh, wow. And no way of actually understanding as to who rests where. And they want to know where are our resting places. And I have to say, no say. I don't know. No say. You know, I don't know. I have no way of answering this. I don't know. And I'm I'm as upset as they are over it. Honestly, I want to see that place restored. But because it's abandoned now, there's really, I think, beyond anyone being wealthy enough to do it, no way of actually doing that. Unfortunately. So you
0: you feel that the missing headstones are related to their current unrest?
1: Yes, I do. I really, truly do. And it it hurts, you know, because those are my relatives. Those are my loved ones. And you know, just to see them hurting just tears me up inside. It really does.
0: Yeah, I, I I can see how that would be upsetting, and it's it's good that that your you know that your heart goes out to them like that, and uh, that you feel so connected to them.
1: I I truly truly do because the only ones left standing now are the Maxwell and their family and Billy and his compadres, and uh, basically, and that's not the real grave, by the way. That is not the real grade, the one that's there with the big cage around it. No, that's not the real one. What it is, I'm going to tell everyone this, honestly, the one that is the real one is more toward the entrance to the graveyard. And I stood right over the top of those three graves. I'm like, this is where they're at right here. But Billy's not there either. I I think that I believe, and as does Billy's brother. Oh, by the way, Billy's brother, Joseph tracked me down. And we've been talking at length for quite some time. We're very, very close, even now we believe that it was someone that knew Billy and that Billy had taken in under his wing and, you know, kind of shown the ropes of how the whole outlaw thing works. And I believe along with him, that might've been that individual that got killed in his place. And I have a very specific reason for believing that Billy did not die that night, that July night. I have. So you
0: think there's, there's an alternate explanation for the final demise of Billy the Kid?
1: I do, and it hit me square in the face because it relates to my current lifetime. What hit me square in the face, I was watching a thing about Anon and I realized some of the people that had been, I'm guessing, a part of my most recent, you know, this lifetime past years, may have had something to do with them. And some of the legal issues I've had with these people, basically, I realized that their head person basically might have been ordering them to do some stuff to me. And um, I realized that with the way that things went down, that like, as I remember it, basically up the line up the chain of command To the head of our United States military. And it may still be at that level now.
0: At this point, I want to kind of give a guide to understanding exactly what you're talking about, because it gets pretty complicated. Because you're you're talking simultaneously about uh, a previous incarnation, you as uh, in in a previous incarnation.
1: It ties into this life. Basically, right,
0: right. The, the yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to uh, kind of lay out a way of understanding yeah. what we're talking about. Because right. when you say this was done to me, uh, you're talking about yourself in a previous incarnation.
1: Okay. Now, from that time, if you look at the two timelines, it's going to interconnect immediately. Okay. Okay. The people that were chasing Billy and I through that life. I believe came back into this lifetime and chased me to the point of where I am now in this life. And I know Billy's been trying to connect with me on the physical plane, but he's not able to right now because I think he needs to come back into this incarnation through a physical body. Yes. But from what he specifically told me, his words, not mine and I'm not doing anything but quoting him right now. Okay. This is not me talking. What he told me is that he said, well, I want a physical body, but I don't want to have to go through reincarnation again. I said, oh, well, you know, it's kind of too late for that. Yeah. I told him, that it's kind of too late for that. You have to go into a physical body in order to come back to the timeline."
0: That's the only natural way to do it.
1: Right. I said, you can't just take a physical body or jump into a physical body. And you can, but it's a lot harder to do.
0: Plus, it's just not nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. I said, why would you want to jump into a physical body? He said, I don't want to wait to come back. I said, oh, well, too late there, babe. (laughs) Too late there. Uh, You're going to have to come into a physical body the way of reincarnation. It's the only way to get back to this timeline. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you.
0: So he needs to reincarnate in order to accomplish what?
1: In order to come back over to this timeline to intersect with me and finally close the book on that lifetime. And I believe that what happened also was that with the way that the U.S. military finally got to chasing us through like 70s battle and, you know, his agreement with the governor at that time of New Mexico to leave the state and the county and everything else entirely. I think July 14, 1881 was the final setup to do that, where it's like he was supposed to die. I got played in the process, and now the people that chased us, between the military and the other people on top of that, chased me through this lifetime, tried to essentially kill me and shut my voice off because I found out that not only did I play a major part in his lifetime from that time but that I'm the one that knows the entire history literally not figuratively because I have an entire collection that makes war and peace look tiny
0: I saw it. You you sent me pictures of this collection, and it was impressive, to say the least.
1: I have every document having to do with him. The last piece of the puzzle is finding out where he went, who he went with, and how he got there. And then, finally, his passing from that time once i find out those pieces of information i can close the book on that but i also have to go back to new mexico by his request of course and pick up some things that belonged to him that i have a relative there holding on to those items for me so i can come and collect them once i get them and he said he's going to basically follow me here in spirit of course and he said once he gets here, he said, once he leaves the Southwest, he said, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and Utah, their economies are going to collapse. I mean, just down. Because they're using his likeness, his name, his image, all that to make money, and he's tired of it. He's tired of people like he's being used. I don't blame him. That I don't blame them for. Uh, That's like, you know, yeah. I mean, they use our names. They use our images. They use our, you know, us, basically, our family to make a buck. Why?
0: You think the economies of those states, even today, is that dependent on on the likeness of Billy the Kid that it would suffer that much?
1: Yes, absolutely I do.
0: I'm just trying to think of whatever paraphernalia... Might, might come out of those states or whatever media that might be created by those states that uh, has his likeness. Are you aware of anything like that?
1: I am. Uh, in fact, I have everything in my collection that means everyone and everything that could collapse along the way. I think it goes from the governor office on down, honestly, and they need to also give him his final pardon that he was, in fact promise and i have this document in writing that they promised it to him they reneged on that promise and that is what they also need to fulfill to allow him to move on But i don't think because they want to continue to use him and milk him and milk him and milk him for money 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 you know yeah
0: well this is quite an undertaking because Right now, if he is to accompany you in spirit, that's more expedient, of course, but in order to accomplish the part that he would need to reincarnate for, you're talking about at least 20 years in the future.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. And by that time, I would be like in my 70s, and I'd be ready to go back anyway. Honestly, I prefer that he wait. In fact, he said he would... And I had this from a long, long time ago and an experience I actually had. I had an NDE, a near-death experience, involving the same thing. And he said that he would come back for me when it is my time. But I think he's getting impatient. Unfortunately, he's gotten impatient to be god kill man <laughs> uh, But I still think he needs to get into another physical body in order to access this timeline. Okay. I, mean, I don't mind him waiting until I'm passing on. you know, I don't mind that at all, fine, but it's just it's complicated
0: it sure is it, it is very complicated <laughs> i think I think we we can all get that much yeah. now all of this all of this exists in the context of a very paranormal life in general, even outside yes. of this particular subject yes. matter.
1: Yes, yes, um although the class I directly intersect with. I am related up the line, and I know this genealogy very, very well because that's also in my folders. You know, I've got Billy, of course. I've got Jesse James. He's my great great grandfather. Yeah, Jesse Woodson James. And then I have uh, the Earth, of course. They're my ninth great cousin. I've got Doc Holliday, who I believe is my 14th, 12th great cousin, I think, off of. Don Wesley Harden, who is my 14th biological cousin. And then I've got Bell Star in the heart. I've got, um, oh God, uh, the Reno Rain Crow, who were back in Tennessee. They were a bank and train robbery gang. I've got the Daltons. I've got the Fords. I've got the Youngers. I've got the, oh, who else do I got in there? Um, Oh, I'm trying to think here. Cause i I I okay. Anyone that you can name that were old West bad asses, bad people, if you will. You know, anyone who made you them. in the old West. Yeah, they're blood related. Just thank you.
0: So no, so not only do you have this connection in in terms of a past life connection, where where a previous incarnation of yours was involved with these people, but yeah. you are also currently involved with them in in spirit form, and you are descended from them. So so you're connected in all three of those ways.
1: Bingo, bingo, yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Which one of these connections uh, were you aware of first? Were you aware of the The, genealogy first or of the previous incarnation first?
1: No, the previous incarnation first, although finding a family tree in my great-great-grandmother's Bible, okay, I think that kind of got me started, so to speak. And then my great-aunt, Irene, she was one of the ones that clued me into it and told me, you're going to find this because these are our people. I'm just sitting there going, whoa. And behold, yeah, I finally, you know, because we, I had all the rest of the, you know, lines kind of sorted out. I just didn't have one line specifically. And that was my father's, mother's, mother's line. I had everybody else. And so I asked my, I finally got the courage, asked my folks, you know, do you have like a first name? I don't know, a year date, maybe a place name, something, some little, something that might get me started. So they gave me a little kid that I said, don't give me too much because I don't want to jinx this. If there's nothing to this don't worry about it. I'm not going to ask any more questions. If I find something, I'll let you know. So I went to the genealogy center in Wyoming where I was living at the time. And well, I plugged it in and then I prayed. Oh yeah, I prayed my butt off. I'm like, is there's anything else? Uh, please, 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 please. You know, I was just like, I was, scared i was shaking my palms were sweating i'm going let there be something let there be something let there be something and lo and behold there was my great grandmother's name birthday death date marriages the whole nine yards and out came her entire family tree and that's amazing what was even more interesting is that i had native american elders along my path in my life as well bless them in spirit right now thank you you guys i love you to death they were like signposts along my path and elder after elder said you are not only native american you are going to be a shaman a sure thing uh-huh yeah age 21 i was seeing hearing feeling something knowing et cetera, et cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. uh did I think I was going crazy? Um, <laughs> yeah. I thought, oh, great. No, no, they're going to lock me up. They're going to medicate the, you know, what out of me. Well, my. And this
0: this was the onset of your this shamanistic was, lifestyle or this of your concept. shamanism?
1: This, yeah. This was the thing that cemented it, shall we say. My ancestors sat me down from spirit and said, you're going to be a shaman. What? Really? As if I didn't have all the other elders telling me along the way, you'll understand when you're older, I'm going, yeah, right. What are you smoking, guys? <laughs> I asked at the time because I was so young, I was too young to understand, you know?
0: So there was a period of time between the time that they told you this and the time that the that these experiences set in that began your... Shamanism or the the shamanistic aspect of your life?
1: Yeah. And now I also have elders in my lifetime, my path, and whatever you want to call this. Now, I've been learning from via YouTube. And I consider one lady my grandma, my grandmother. I do. She's so cool. And it's on YouTube called Navajo Grandma. And uh, she's teaching me everything about Navajo... uh, DNA life and life ways and life stuff and all this stuff. And what hit me about it just the other day, what really struck me is that I realized how much of my current life comes from that lifetime, because back then I was also Navajo. I was taken from Canyon de Che, and this is verified. This is historically verified. This actually happened. Okay. It's actually really truly happened. I was All right. from Canyon de Deshae, Arizona, with Kit Carson, who, by the way, intersects with this lifetime as well because I lived in Taos, New Mexico for several years and I came in contact with his spirit. He's still the same sweet, kind, loving, gentle, awesome prankster. I'll tell you guys about that in a minute, but He, along with the youth people who I've also come into contact with in this lifetime, and they've confirmed along with my Navajo relatives, along with my youth relatives, along with my Apache relatives, who, not only just who I was then, but who I am now, and I've spoken to Kit, spirit, essence, personality, whatever you want to call this, but... I actually had been to his home in Taos, New Mexico, and he scared the living stuffings out of me. I was there to get a job as a docent, but unfortunately, the historical society said, Oh, no, 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 you have to have this kind of education, that kind of education. I'm going, Really? When I know his history, are you crazy? Seriously, you think I'm going to pay you guys X amount of dollars? I think it was like up to 400 bucks or something like that for some service or kids I'm going, no, I know personally. He's my relative. Hello. No, I'm not going to pay you 400 bucks to talk about my relative.
0: <laughs> I can see, yeah, how how that would be frustrating for you.
1: And I was there, you know, to get a you know job as a docent at the historic home. So I'm sitting there talking to the docent, all of a sudden I'm hearing footsteps. I mean, literal actual. Go on, go on, go on, go on. Just back and forth, and back and forth on the hardwood floors in a room that was down several rooms from me, from where the gift shop is. Okay, and I told so the docent, I've run security before, and I have. I've done security this lifetime around, you know, a couple of times, so I kind of know the ins and outs. I have popped people out of some place they ain't supposed to be at. So I said, do you mind if I go toss whoever that is out of there out of here? I don't like anybody that ain't warm in here being here. Because, yeah, go ahead. If you want to toss them out, go for it. Said, okay. Sure. So I went uh, to the room that is the um, I think the visual room where they have like a video or something explaining the history, et cetera, et cetera. So I stepped my coach down, walk in there, go, hello, hello, what do you guys here? I'm gonna toss you out on your ear. Silent nothing there nobody around <laughs> that's weird so i went back to the dose and i said there ain't nobody here but us and i grab i was grabbing up my purse you know to uh which next the outfit i had on i had on a period you know costume to show this, like i'm ready to work here i'm ready to get this thing going so i'm you know grabbing up the purse strings on my purse i feel somebody behind me so i I slowly lift it up, turn around, nobody there, okay, maybe I'm just imagining things, okay, so I go back to gathering up my post. all of a sudden I hear breathing in my right ear, I'm going, okay, you son of a, and I hear the words very strongly, and it's a deep growly male down in his gut voice, come here, so I stand up, Wheel around, ready to knock the crap out of somebody. Nobody there. All of a sudden, I hear laughs. I'm like, "Kid, oh, I'm gonna get you! Oh, I'm going Kind of a, <laughs> and I hear, "Baka blaster!" Like, "Oh, you fool! Oh, I'm gonna get you!"
0: <laughs> so this was Kit Carson playing a playing prank, prank
1: on you. Yes, he was pranking me. Classic Kit Carson. He was a notorious prankster. Loved a good joke. He <laughs> laughing his butt off. I go, back there ain't nobody here but us and Kit. And Josefina, his wife.
0: What did the this person say about that?
1: She goes, you're kidding me. You mean Kit talked to you? I go, yeah, he's my cousin. Of course he talked to me. Oh, he's a hoot. I love the man. I do. I love him. But you know what? If it had not been for Kit, Billy and I never would have met. Because really, met, oh yeah, we met in Santa Fe, which was one of Billy's favorite places, and mine too now, actually.
0: So just to clarify, you're now speaking about your previous incarnation, correct?
1: Well, yeah. Okay, I've been to the actual place this lifetime, many times, and I had an experience with Billy in this incarnation. I actually met him at the same cantina as we met back in 1870. Same time of year, same weather conditions, same everything lined up exactly correctly. There he was sitting at the same table with his men at the bar and a couple of other men sitting, I guess, around the table or something. And I walk into the place because I had a book, and I still have the same book in my collection now, yes, now, that actually played out this particular building. I thought, huh wonder what would happen if I went to check this out and I just I don't know I felt drawn to it if you will I felt very very drawn to it okay I come up to the cafe doors I'm going hmm this feels familiar when the heck do I think I know this so I walk in and there's the of course the bar you know with the mirror back bar and all that uh to my left and then there's the bandstand and the uh dance floor and, you know, shavings on the floor and there's tables and chairs all around me and I'm feeling the park and, okay, hmm, well, this sounds and feels familiar. Something about this is very, very familiar. And they're really sitting there at the table where, same thing as what happened in 1870. So he offers me a seat next to him and we get to talking and, you know, we're talking like no time has passed. None whatsoever. And there's actually a photo showing exactly where that table was. I remember it like it was yesterday, like it just happened.
0: You've told me about all sorts of stuff that's happened. Uh, You've told me about certificates that you have on your walls that just come flying off of the walls. Now, my understanding is that these certificates, these framed certificates that you have on the walls... When this happens, they actually shoot outward away from the wall and then fall to the ground. You've, you've yeah. seen this happen, yeah. correct?
1: have seen it happen multiple times, yes.
0: Yeah. And do you think you've identified some entities who may be responsible for this?
1: It's possible. I can't name names, of course. I don't know for sure, but I think it might have been energy left over from when one of my cousins, this lifetime, of course, lived with us. I think some of his energy is still around and he really did not like the work I did. I do. So I think some of that energy might still be hanging around. Of course I've, you know, done smudging and all that. So I'm going to continue to just kind of smudge intermittently. Hopefully that kind of makes it die down. And now that things are kind of, you know, settled down with the move and all that, I think it's kind of finally starting to die down.
0: You had you had spoken to me about a lot of conflict with him. Uh, why did he not like the kind of work you do?
1: Very highly, highly religious. Religious oh, I gotcha. people don't like the work that I do. I mean, I'm not faulting religious people for being religious. Fine, knock yourself out. You know, <laughs> it's not my business.
0: <laughs> well, I think it has to do with a particular interpretation that i think people of a particular interpretation of religion don't like that kind of work it, it's right. it really all has to do with one's perspective on these things
1: right and having done the genealogy that i have done and all the documentation that i do have and the family tree on things like ancestry jenny my family tree etc cetera, etc cetera, I've been able to nail down that my genealogy is particularly, one line is shaman, one line is through of course, from English, Scottish, Irish, et cetera, from my 15th great-grandfather, and then also from my great-great-grandmother, Sarah Myers. God love her. I love this woman. Oh, my God, I do. I truly love, love, love her. And a bunch of the other lines, uh, like, for example, one line is Cromwell, which is notoriously historically proven Wicca, which, yeah. And then my Denny's, D-E-N-N-E-Y, who go into the Denny, D-E-N-N-Y, here in this county, who settled here, they come in from Joseph of Arimathea who was Christ's maternal uncle. And this whole family on that line has some incredible abilities. Um, and How it, did
0: you manage to, uh, to tie it to Joseph of Arimathea?
1: I was homeless at one point. We were going through Utah, and I decided to stop in at Cedar uh, City, where my great-great-great-grandfather, William Lauser of Hardiman Gotson, D O T S O N, had found the college there which by the way i found out also is haunted yeah (laughs) and then i stopped up in at this one little place i don't know i was looking around town something drew me in there and they had this big huge family tree that connected literally multiple lines of my family all the way up to christ pre-christ and all that and we know that that line is very, very highly, you know, you could say abilities, uh, shamanic, et cetera. So I happen to get a copy of that on disc. Yes, I actually have a copy of it on disc.
0: Was this genealogy through the Church of Latter-day Saints?
1: Some of it is. It was drawn up by a distant cousin of mine of whom I've never made acquaintance or association, have no clue who their name is or who they are or anything like that.
0: I ask because they have uh, very impressive genealogical records. They're they're known for their genealogy.
1: Yes, and get me going on any genealogy center. Um, <laughs> uh, they call me the firecrack. I turn out records like nobody's business. No kidding. I can literally go to these genealogy centers. I set everything down. I completely clear my mind. Take a deep breath. I say, okay, if you want your records, Found, now is it I wow will stand, i will feel physical touch on my shoulders and they will lead me directly to where a specific set of records is and stop me right there and then turn me either right or left depending on what section of records i'm looking for
0: that's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard of that particular kind of channeling being used for genealogy before, but that's really cool.
1: Oh yeah, it's really, really, really cool. It's interesting. I've done this again and again, and I've, and that's how I was able to turn out that level of record.
0: It's like a yeah. It's like divining and mediumship and channeling. Used for this genealogical purpose, I I hadn't considered that before. I mean, gaining insight and information through non-physical means can be applied to anything, genealogy or otherwise. I mean, we have unlimited access to all information that there is, really. Uh, So it it doesn't it doesn't surprise me in that sense. It's just that oh, I thought, wow, that's a really good idea. I hadn't heard of that before. I hadn't heard of anybody using that. For genealogy that's a really practical application for it and a very interesting one because we get yeah. to learn all sorts of stuff about ourselves and about our past which <laughs> in turn you know kind of feeds our spiritual awareness which so, so that's really cool i think that's great
1: yeah i've used it over and over again with amazing success all those records in there was doing that
0: awesome so you have been having paranormal spiritual sensitive experiences your entire life why don't you take us to the very beginning and uh and tell us about your dawning awareness of these things and and just uh, about how this went has gone over the course of your lifetime in in a general
1: sense oh my gosh uh my very first encounter was at age three um i believe what happened was I think in my second year of life, my family said I had scarlet fever and recovered, by the way. How? I don't know, but I did. And I believe something got left open. And um, I don't believe it ever got closed again. So that combined with what I now know genealogically, it makes sense. I mean, you know, that I would have these experiences. And at age three... My sister was gone after as an infant by something. I had a nightmare, which unfortunately was somewhat prophetic, I guess you could say. And I woke up screaming, freezing, cold, sweat, you know, shaking, heavy breathing, the whole thing, you know. And I felt the air in the room change. I mean, just change. I was sleeping between my parents. You know how little kids do. Mom, Dad, I'm scared, you know. Yeah, I had the same nightmare again. And I even woke my mom up to show her this. And this tall, I, I don't even know what you want to call it, thing, blob, mask, dark, whatever. And it had a thin veil from head to toes, you know, head feet. And I think it was looking for my sister because it took the, basket i guess you could say of her baby things and started taking it around the room so i got up my courage got up out of bed i said oh no you don't took the basket back away from it put it back on the bed i said get out leave my home now you are not welcome here do not ever come back you understand me leave and that thing left never came back
0: Okay, so is your sister okay? I just have to know this.
1: She's great. In fact, she's married. She's got a little boy of her own. My nephew Thomas, light of my life. I am a proud auntie.
0: Congratulations. Yeah, I'm a recent uncle myself. It, it it feels nice. Well, that's cool. I'm glad your sister is okay because I was I was worried there for a minute. And you know, I just want to take a moment to to point out something that you and I have in common, and I think that this is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, also around the age of two, I was having very, very high fevers. Like I, there was no time for me to go to the hospital. The doctor was on the phone with my mom said, put him in a bath with ice. And so they had to put me in this ice water bath to break this fever. And I, I was just having all, all kinds of problems with this. And I was having hallucinations at that time. Like I didn't recognize my mother and stuff like that. And also around the the age of two and three, and I don't know just how connected this is. Well, this is where I first become aware of, of having had spiritual awareness at that time. Around the age of two, I became aware of a previous incarnation, and I was trying to discuss this with my mother, you know, asking her if she remembered me from this previous incarnation. Uh, I, I had all sorts of spiritual insights and experiences beginning around the ages of two and three. So I thought that was interesting. There's fever, and there is spiritual awareness, and this occurs at the ages of two and three in both you and I. I just wanted to po- point out that, that even, commonality.
1: Even funnier, I've looked at your photo, other than the ears and the brows, you look identical to my Billy, Right down to the blue eyes, I'm going, holy! They
0: look like I had blue eyes? Because I, I, I don't have blue eyes, I have hazel eyes. Uh-huh. It may have just looked like that in the picture.
1: Yeah, yeah, it might have been camera flash, but yeah, I mean, I'm like right down to the blue eyes. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> you, did you say because you kind of broke up there for a second? You said I look like your Billy. Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, you look like, uh, I. Mm, okay, I compared faces right across. Same eyes, same eye shape, same eyes, same forehead, same facial structure, same cheekbones, same lip line, same chin, same neckline, delicate. Was delicate or something like that? Delicate, anyway. Same neckline. Um, am sitting they're going O M G. Hmm.
0: Well, you did allude to this similarity before, and and I didn't look at it as closely as you did, but I didn't feel that I looked particularly like him at all. Actually. Yeah.
1: You no, there's one picture, and you look identical. No kidding.
0: 'Cause I'm not I'm not convinced that I look anything like Billy the Kid.
1: You do, trust me.
0: <laughs> All right. So that was kind of the beginning of your spiritual experience, like around the ages of two and three. Now take us through kind of the progression of these experiences throughout your life.
1: Okay. Then I think it backed off, I think, after about age three or so. And I continued to have experiences, but it was kind of a little bit more weird because it was more or less like, um, like all the historical sites that I went to because I went to a church school, you know, in my youth, and that place was haunted up the yin yang. I mean, it was just, yeah, they had so many ghosts. I mean, I was like between six or seven, something like that, I know, five to seven years old, because I was having a lot, a lot of trouble with math, so I was being tutored in math and all that. This place was greek city central at the time that i knew it okay i was sitting in the in i guess the rec room something like that or the waiting area outside the uh, sanctuary of the church okay and this place i don't even know how to describe it it was so weird past parishioners ghost of past parishioners were sitting in the pews one gets up, turns, looks at me and invites me. I'm going, no, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> you know? And he sits back down and goes back to prayer. I'm going, I did not just see that. I did not just see that. I did not just see that. The light flicks next to me. will turn on and off, making the lights above me flicker without my touching it. I'm going, oh, boy. And then we go in the bride's dressing room where I'm being littered in math. And there's a lady bride in there with red glowing eyes. I'm going. <laughs> oh, of course, I don't talk about this. I never talked about this until age 21. No kidding. I never spoke of it. I'm, I kept that under my hat. Um, every historical site that they took us to, you know, I would literally talk to the ghosts there, or the spirits there. I didn't know they were ghosts. I thought they were real people.
0: So these ghosts appeared the same to you as, as a, a physical person would, like, you couldn't see the difference.
1: I could not tell, could not see the difference, no. Mm-mm.
0: Right. It, yeah, I've heard of that elsewhere. Edgar Casey, for example, he saw discarnate spirits just as if they were the same as physical people.
1: Yeah. And I still do today. What's weirder, I still do that today.
0: That's quite an incredible sensitivity. That would be as a very beneficial sensitivity to have, I would imagine.
1: I met William F. Hart. Oh, he is rockin' cool. William F. Hart, who was a, a stuck man. He was a rodeo cowboy. He was a Western actor. Very popular in the 1920s and 30s. I got to see his home. I actually talked to some of his hands. cool people. One of them kind of made me a little nervous, but beyond that, no, they were cool. I didn't know the difference. Everywhere I've been, like Olvera Street, I met Pio Pico, uh, who owned a hotel there at one time. I met the uh, Pico Rivera family, who owned a home there and a restaurant, too, at that time, Who is which is still there, by the way. Yeah, I've met them um, where my family on my mother's side is buried at San Fernando Mission where they have a cemetery. I've met some of the friars. I've met some of the um, Native American, I guess what you would call slaves. I didn't know the difference yet again. The school part of the church school where I went to school, I believe is a Native American burial place, ground, sacred site. I don't know what you want to call this, but I think they built the buildings on top of something they were not supposed to. There are Native American ghosts there up the beginning, and I talked to them. I actually played with the little kids that were Native American. I didn't know they weren't, you know, supposed to be there. How was I to know they were ghosts? They seemed normal kids to me. Just
0: playing with playing with kids across the spectrum of physical and non-physical kids, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. I would li- that, that hasn't been one of my particular sensitivities, and, and I, I think that's really cool. Maybe one day I'll develop to the point where I can see, see them the way that you do. I think that would be great. And, uh, Melissa, we are just at the one-hour point, so this is, a, this, is, this is a stopping point for us right now. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot in the future. In our last few minutes, why don't you uh, give us kind of a, a preview of the kind of work you and I are going to be doing together in the near future.
1: Okay. We're going to be doing some really cool stuff. Okay. Mount Shasta. Mount this place is a healing Mecca. Anyone who's spiritual, this is a healing Mecca. This place is insane. I mean, it has every kind of haunting you could ever hope to even imagine.
0: Yeah. It, it is. It's kind of the epicenter for that and all sorts of phenomena. I mean, that's kind of what you and I, what would draw both, both you and I separately, of course, to this particular area.
1: Yeah, uh, Weed. It has a couple of things. It's not as great as what Mount Shasta is. Dunsmuir, California. Yeah. Okay.
0: I have a very, very interesting case uh, from Dunsmuir that I'm going to be doing an episode about in the very near future. Dunsmuir is a very interesting spot.
1: Yes, and I believe I am being drawn to where Black Bart hid out. Black Bart, the outlaw Black Bart, yes. uh, The guy that robbed, I think, stagecoaches it was, trains and stagecoaches, something like that.
0: Wells Fargo. Um,
1: I am being drawn particularly to his hideout. And I have reason to believe he has a message. So I'm going to go find out what that is. The hotel here at Montague, California. Yes, I'm going to try to reschedule that. Um, A very, very gory, grisly, gruesome murder took place there in the 1960s. And um, I'm not going to reveal anything else about it until we do the video shoot. But needless to say, I hope to help the victim move on and identify the perpetrator. Now the guy that did it, I believe, may still be alive. But I got, shall we say, a feeling, if you will. I was across the street from there, uh, going over to the post office to get my mail, and I feel like he was the guy that did this was across the street, like drinking, drugging, but he was feeling. I mean, this guy was really, really not in his right mind. I felt wavy and wobbly and like I couldn't walk right and something happened, he went in, and bingo, murder happened, he ran, never been identified.
0: Well, let's pick up on that next time we speak, which will be in the near future. There's all kinds of exciting stuff coming up. Melissa, thank you very much for being on Type 471. It's been great talking to you, and we're going to talk to you again soon.
1: Okay, talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. I did too. My first podcast in seven months.
0: Well, I hope it felt good.
1: Oh, definitely definitely it was great it was awesome thank you so much oh
0: no problem i'll talk to you soon take care Have
1: to, see
0: you. to learn more about melissa bryan and her work or to get in touch with melissa visit o l p s y e n t com it stands for outlaw life psychic enterprises once again that's o l p s y e n t dot com and look for her book born into shamanism on amazon I'm Sam Kitchen, thanks for listening to Type 471.